Well, good morning. Just FYI, our, our tech team, they're great guys. They're working hard to make sure that projector comes up. But if it doesn't, you can find the slides on, on version if you can't see everything. So just FYI. Uh, today we are continuing our uh, sermon, summer sermon series as we work our way through selected Proverbs. Uh, just a little bit about Proverbs. You're with us for the first time. Proverbs is, is, was written by King Solomon, uh, David's son. He was, he was known as the wisest and richest man of his time. And he begins by, by telling, uh, talking to his, his children, his sons, and, and says, listen to the wisdom, in a sense. Listen to the wisdom I've accumulated over the years as I've observed life, as I've accomplished many things, and as I've experienced many things. We looked at a variety of topics, and uh, I really don't know what I was thinking when I planned this series. If you were with us last week, we talked about the topic of sex or sexuality. And, and when I got done, I was uh, talking to a buddy of mine at the back and he said, hey, thanks for tackling a, a tough topic. He said, next week you need to preach on money. I'm like, well, that's what the schedule actually has. So I get to preach on sex and money back to back weeks. I'm not sure if I've ever done that before. Now, you don't get much more personal than talking about sex and money. But both of them are recurring themes in the Proverbs. It's all over the place in the Proverbs, but also in the rest of the Bible. Because you see, we... We can't live wisely as, as God's people unless we learn to live wisely when it comes to our sexuality, of course, but also with our money. You know, yesterday I spent most of the morning uh, cleaning our garage. It kind of grown a little bit cluttered and, you know, you, you, you move things around a little bit and you clean now and then, but it wasn't a, a deep cleaning. So I thought, well, it's nice weather. Um, and I'll just, I just pulled things away from the walls. I went through bins. I, I swept. I cleaned. I threw some things out. And you know how it works when you do something like that. You discover things that you thought you had lost, right? You discover things you've forgotten you had. I even discovered something. I think it belongs to somebody else. Does anybody need a, a belt stander? I don't know. I, but anyhow, we, we have these. You go through the garage, and, and at the end of the day, I considered it a win because I had more space than when I began in the morning. But one of the funny things I discovered was, um, you know, behind a, a couple of things against walls, I found three separate mouse traps. Now, of course, there weren't mice in them. I would have smelled that a long time ago. But there are three mouse traps, and oh, I wonder. Oh, I remember why those are there. A couple of years ago, we had a few mice in the garage. I set out traps. I caught them, but I forgot to collect all the empty ones. They've been laying there, uh, unsprung, forgotten for a couple of years. And I thought, you know, that's kind of the way life is. There are some traps in life that are just laying around, unsprung, not always uh, in our mind, in the front of our mind, sometimes forgotten, just waiting to be sprung as we walk into them. And Solomon says these traps have been around for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, really, the human condition really hasn't changed a whole lot in the last couple thousand years. We face the same issues, the same challenges. Maybe they're cloaked a little bit differently or presented a little bit differently, but we still face the same challenges, the same traps. And, and Solomon writes to his sons and writes to us through God's Spirit to help us to avoid those traps, to help, to help us avoid setting them off and causing ruin or damage to ourselves or to those people around us. And one of the areas that appears to be that there are a lot of traps, according to the emphasis Solomon puts upon it in the book of Proverbs, is this issue of, of, of money and possessions and our, and our financial resources. 
Now, I'm not going to cover everything it has to say. That's not possible. It'd have to be a sermon series to do that. But, but I think we can come up with a fairly useful summary of, of the general message of Solomon's observations about money. According to him, there are four things we need to know. The first one is that money is not evil. You might say, well, thanks a lot, Captain Obvious. But it's important to state because in some circles, people have this mistaken view of money. And they think that money is evil, that it's a bad thing, it's a necessary evil. It's just something we have to use or have to get around in this world. And some of those folks think the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. But it does not say that. It says the love, the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, sometimes in in Christian circles, people tend to pitch spiritual depth and maturity and commitment to Christ to pit that against um, money and resources or wealth or financial uh, wisdom. But Proverbs does not endorse this view. It doesn't say it's wrong to have money. It doesn't even say it's wrong to have a lot of money. For instance, Proverbs 6 tells us that we need to learn from Ants. He says, look at ants. Look how they work so hard and industriously. They, they gather up provisions in the summer. They store it in the fall. They have a harvest so that when the hard times of winter come, they have something to, to take care of themselves. They don't have to try to beg or borrow or, or mooch off of others. In some of the Proverbs, remember, the Proverbs are not formulas. They're, they're general observations about the way life is supposed to work and the way that life does work. So they're not formulas. You can't always draw direct correlations in every case. So let's remember that. But there are proverbs that say that those who are lazy and undisciplined and unfocused, who are negligent, often come to a place where they are lacking and they don't have enough. On the other hand, Proverbs 8 tells us that God often blesses those who are wise with their resources. Proverbs 8.18, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Solomon goes on to say that we should gather money by working hard and saving. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Compound interest, right? And just one more example, Proverbs 22. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. So Solomon begins with this point. One of the points is that money in in and of itself is not a, a bad thing, but Scripture tells us the love of money, the pursuit of money above all else, is the root of all evil. An important point to make here. Remember these verses in Proverbs are not formulaic. Just because a person is poor and lacking doesn't mean that there's a lack of spiritual commitment. Some of the the most godly people I know don't have a lot of resources. Conversely, just because a person is blessed with wealth doesn't mean that necessarily they're a godly person. But some of the most godly, generous people I know have been very successful and very kind and generous. So we need to have those caveats in mind. But Solomon begins by saying that money is not, a, is not evil in and of itself. The second thing he tells us is, even though money is not evil in and of itself, money presents many dangers. It goes back to this idea of Traps. This is probably the biggest theme to do with money in the book of Proverbs. So let's look at some of the the traps, the temptations, the dangers that we face when it comes to this issue of money. 
One danger we face is the temptation to make money through unethical means. Proverbs has a lot to say about this. So apparently it was an issue back then just like it is today. The Lord detests honest scales, dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. This is repeated word for word in another chapter. So obviously it's important. It's, it's essentially an argument for, for honest business practices. So, for example, when the weight of an item that's being sold is calculated dishonestly, or when you're in business and you withhold information in order to make a sale, it's just detestable to the Lord. And the Hebrew word used here is abomination, which is a very harsh, strong word. Another danger is a little bit more subtle. Later on in the same chapter, we read, People curse those who hoard grain, but they pray God's blessing on those who are willing to sell. What's that about? We're all familiar with supply and demand economics. You know, a little bit of something, value goes up and vice versa. Um, But but Solomon is talking about about making a, a business decision. He says in Proverbs that we cannot focus only and solely on the bottom line. And in fact, that there are two decisions we are to make in business. The first one is, first, what makes good business sense? Well, of course, we have a responsibility to our employers, uh, our employees, uh, our our shareholders, investors. Of course, we need to think about that. What makes good business sense? But secondly, there's there's another question we need to ask. What will benefit the community? What will benefit the people around me? If we don't ask how our financial decisions will help the community at large and not just ask the bottom line question, then Solomon says we're not handling our money wisely. We're falling into a trap. Probably the biggest danger when it comes to money is the one that's mentioned in verses like these. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Another metaphor imagery. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it, a wall too high to scale. You see what he's saying there? You, in, in, their, in their day and age, you would build these, these huge, thick walls, fortified and, and buttressed and, and supported, and, and, and the people in the city depended upon them to keep danger out, to protect them, to keep them safe from harm. It was their security blanket. And he's saying that when we that we have a tendency, there's a danger, that when we have a lot of wealth, we have resources, that we can view it as a, as a, as, as a defense mechanism, as, as a security net, as, as a way to keep danger out. And, and the problem there is, is that we can begin to trust in our resources and our finances as opposed to trusting in the Lord. In fact, at the end of uh, Proverbs, remember this is towards the end of Solomon's right, life when he's writing this. He's a very wealthy man. Experienced all sorts of wealth. And he says this in chapter 30, as he looks back upon his life and his experiences. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? In other words, I don't need the Lord. I don't need to depend upon him. I'll depend upon my resources. You see, the problem with money isn't, it's really more of a problem with us, Right? When we have money, the tendency, the trap is to follow the money, to put our trust in money instead of the Lord. So money, Solomon says, is not bad in and of itself, 
But money does bring danger. And thirdly, he says, money has limits. Even if we avoid all the dangers that come with money, even if we are completely wise in how we use our money, we need to recognize that although money is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Money has its limits. Even if we avoid the dangers, we use it ethically, we use it for the common good, we trust in God first. Even then, money can only do so much. There are a lot of verses that touch on this, but probably the best one for us to consider this morning is from Proverbs 11. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So again, Solomon has nothing against being successful. But he says there comes a day when money won't do us any good. At the end of our lives, no matter how much money we have, we're we're going into a box and our money's not following us. It's not coming with us. We cannot take it with us. And the day of wrath here could refer to a tragedy that sweeps in and all the money in the world can't spare you. Or it could refer to the day of judgment when we stand before God. And if we haven't honored God with our lives, all the money in the world isn't going to do us any good. Fourthly, Solomon kind of gives us the key to wise use of our money. And he says it's generosity. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, the verse on the front of your worship guide says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Literally, it's saying... There is a person who, who scatters, who, who gives away, and yet increases all the more. That's counterintuitive, isn't it? You give away, but yet you gain? How does that work? Scripture also tells us if we hoard, we lose. I mean, how does that work out? It's a paradox. But we are told that the best way to wisely handle our money is to be generous with it, to have an open-hand approach, acknowledging all we have and all we are is a gift from God as opposed to a closed-fist approach. So Solomon tells us, don't save it and accumulate it only and primarily for your own benefit and purposes. He says, don't waste your life playing it safe and, you know, for our purposes, chasing the American dream. We are to use what God has given us and be radically generous with it. One way to think of it, this is about, you know, like farming. If you are a farmer and you, you cling so tightly to the seed that you have because you, you want to keep it, you don't want to lose it, you end up with a bunch of, of worthless seeds. But the farmer who sows his seed in the field ends up with, hopefully, with a little bit of rain and some good luck and some, you know, all that stuff, the right environment, will end up with not only the seed they got they planted, but also more seed. You see this theme over and over in Proverbs. For instance, it says this, Those who are kind to the poor lend to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. This is a theme in the New Testament. Jesus himself said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
And then finally, Paul wrote this to Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's hard to do, I think, especially in 21st century America. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There's a life that the world is presenting. This is the good life. But Paul says that the life that follows Christ is truly life. Now I'm going to pull us together and we're going to conclude in just a second. And the reason we're talking about this today isn't because God needs your money. The reason is because although money is not a bad thing in and of itself, it comes with dangers and with limits. And we have a tendency to elevate it above other pursuits, even the pursuit of God. And the main biblical answer to this is to be generous, to open our hands and release the things God has blessed us to be with, to be a blessing to others. Now, you may say, how much do I give away? Well, that's between you and God. But I would say, I would ask the question a little bit differently, because when you say, how much do I give away? It's kind of like, what's, what's the minimum? What can I do to kind of be, what's good enough? And I would, I would challenge us today, including myself, which the question should be more, what's the best I can do? What's the most I can give? When we look at Christ, what Christ has done for us, what God has done for us, he gave it all. He sacrificed it all. C.S. Lewis said, I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our our generosity is not affecting our lifestyle, the things we own, the things we drive, the places we go, we're not giving enough. You know, we take an offering every Sunday. And as Wes said earlier, we're so thankful for generosity. The gifts help support the ministry of the church. Our goal is that the funds are used to to grow people deeper in Christ and go further in mission, to bring people into the kingdom of God. But the primary reason that we give is because it's good for us spiritually, because it honors God, because it helps to keep Christ on the throne, not our natural tendency to fall into the traps that money so often presents when it's used when it's in the wrong, um, when the wrong place, priority-wise. So again, remember Jesus Christ, his example. He didn't just give a little. He didn't just give a lot. He gave everything. He poured it all out so that we ourselves could be blessed by his generosity. So I want to close with this verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for 
the way you have blessed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are a generous God, that you are a good God. Lord, we pray that we would be people who follow the example of Jesus, that we would be generous. Lord, I pray that you would keep us alert to the, to the tendencies and the traps regarding money, that we would put our trust in you first. Lord, help us to be wise in our use of money too. As John Wesley said, to earn as much as we can, to save as much as we can, and to give away as much as we can. Preserve us, Lord, from the danger of, of a self-absorbed lifestyle. Teach us to follow example of Jesus. We thank you for those who have gone before us, who have been generous, who have invested in our lives, who have invested for the sake of the gospel, who have blessed others who are in need. Help us to, to be the same. Help us to take hold of the life that is truly life. Abundant life in you, Lord Jesus. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.